0: Have you here? Uh, some of you here for uh, school vacation, you know, summer break, and you know, some of you got bribed into coming here today because they you said they're going to give you food and a and a star uh, a Starbucks card and whatever it was. I'm really glad you're here, and I hope it can be worthwhile uh, you being here. So, uh, and some of we got some of our seniors in the house. You guys got like two weeks. What is it? A week and a half, and you're done. A week, a week and you're done. Are you guys fired up? Well, congratulations, but I got to tell you, when you graduate from high school, it gets even more fun. <laughs> right? And we never, we never quit learning. But, uh, you know, I want to welcome our friends online, too. It's great to, to have you guys online. We wish you were here uh, with us, but we understand why you're not. And uh, we're in the middle, Has already been talked about, a series called The Treasure Principle. And uh, I'm going to have to ask some help from somebody in the back to help me with the clicker because our clicker not working. And we're going to solve all these technical problems in the coming future. But uh, one of the things that, that this is part five we're doing, uh, and in, in the, the last few weeks we've been doing part one through four. And if you ever want to go back and watch or refer it to a friend, you can go to our website, lighthousecoc.com, and you can watch, you can hear uh, the last four. It's really, really been helpful for me. I got I to share this. Every week when I go through this, it's like opening my eyes to get more perspective. And today's going to be uh, no exception to that. So if you can go to the next slide, Mike, thank you. And lo- why don't we come up with a signal you and I will communicate. We'll do this. Okay. That means next slide. I want to share with you a story to open things up. There was a businessman, very successful, downtown LA, And he had just bought, he was so successful, he bought a brand new Porsche Carrera GT. And I mean, it was the top of the line. And so he wanted his colleagues to see it. So he parks it right out on the main strip, the main road. So everyone, as they're walking into the building, they can see his brand new Porsche Carrera GT. And so he's pulling up in front of the building and as he's getting out of the car, a truck passes by and swipes the door completely off. And, the, the, you know, there's a cop just a block away. He saw the whole thing, and so he's, you know, he drives up, and, and before the cop can say anything, the businessman, he is, he is freaking out. And he's looking at his Porsche, and he's saying, oh my gosh, my, my, my baby, I just got it yesterday. It'll never be the same, you know, and, and I can't believe this guy did this, right? And the cop comes up and says, hey, wait a minute. I can't believe you're, you're so upset about, about this car. You've got the wrong perspective about this car. He says, what do you mean? He says, I mean, your arm is missing, And the guy, the guy, the guy looks at his arm and he says, Oh my God, my Rolex. You know, today we're going to talk about, and that's how crazy it can get. Today we're going to talk about idols in America. And when you think about idols, idols in America, you know, we, we've, been, we've been dancing around this issue you know, with, the, with the treasure here. This is my, my treasure. We've been dancing around the issue of how important this thing is to us or to me, and I've been kidding around about it. But when you think about idols, you think about this. This is a, a replica of the, the golden calf that uh, Aaron basically said, I threw all the gold in the fire, and look, this is what came out. That was his, what his explanation to Moses. But they, they all fell down and worshipped the calf, the golden calf. And, you know, when we think about idols, we think about, we think about this. And in this series, we've been talking about, you know, the unhealthy relationship that we can have with stuff. But when we think about idols, we think about things that, you know, really maybe don't relate because you look around and you go, wait a minute. I don't see idols in our city. I don't see these altars and things, but look at what Paul said in Romans chapter one, verse 25, about what we do as a people. And he says this they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. And this is why we don't really think that, you know, uh, the the verse, and if we could go to the next one, this verse in Exodus chapter 20, verse 4 and 5, this is one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, it's number three on the Ten Commandments. And this is the commandment. It says, you shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything in heaven, above, or on earth, beneath, in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, we got a little slow delay. For I, the Lord your God, want you to have one God and one alone. And one of the things that you need to understand about all of us, no exception, all of us, and not only in the United States, but all over the world, all of us are hardwired to worship. And after we talk a little bit today, your eyes are going to be a lot more open. Maybe you don't believe in the Bible. Maybe you're not completely sure, you know, that it's, it's God's word. It's the, it's the way to him. Maybe you're not completely sure. But I hope that today can, can, you, can, you can open your eyes a little bit to how you and I are wired to worship. And one of the commandments is God said, I don't want you to put any, anything, anything in place of me. Why do you think God said that? because it's unhealthy for us. It's very unhealthy. And this whole series we've been talking about, if you put your, your, your trust in one of these or in a Porsche, you can either lose it or you're going to have to leave it eventually. You can't keep it. But what God is saying is if you develop and have a relationship with me, you will keep it forever. See, because this is just the rehearsal. Here, life on earth is just a rehearsal. The big show, the big dance, the, the big game is coming after we die. So if we get too attached to our stuff here, it messes us up. And so all of us, no matter what culture, no matter what language, and I've seen this over and over again. I remember when we lived in, 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 uh, in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, we, we planted a church there. We started a church there. And I remember going on a prayer walk, and I was walking through this park. It's just a park like our parks are here. But in this park, there were little shrines in the park with meals left out. A full meal. I'm talking... A cup of wine, the main dish, salad, everything, let's lay it out. And it was a little shrine with candles. I'm like, wow, this is very different. And so I I asked people, I said, what is this? He says, this is an offering to a God. I'm like, you're kidding. Why don't the homeless people come up and eat this food? Because it's an incredible, you know, plate of food. They're afraid to touch it because if they touch it, they'll be cursed. And it wasn't just in the park down the street from my house. There, were, there, there was one time we were walking on the beach in, 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 in Copacabana Beach, and I was walking on a, on a prayer walk, and I'm, and I'm looking, and, and wait a minute. I'm going, wait a second. This is weird. There was this circle, you know, drawn out on, on the sand, and there were two doves with their necks broken and blood scattered around the, the doves. And I go, this must have something to do with the meals. And the more and more I walked around, the more and more I realized, wow, this is significant. They've got a problem here with worshiping gods. And it wasn't to Jesus. It wasn't to, you know, it, they were gods to get things that they wanted. And so this is, this is something that we've got to understand that no matter where you go in the world, we're all hard, hard, hardwired to worship. Basically, you and I are, 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 are sponges to worship something or someone. What God's trying to tell us, I, I really hope that you can worship the right focus, and that's me. Go to the next slide. Mike, your finger's not working. Okay. Here's what an idol is. I want you to understand really clearly what what he's saying here. An idol is someone or something that occupies the place of God in your life. A preeminent, prominent center of your life. The most important person or thing. Now, I want to ask you a question. We're not in Brazil, and the same thing happens in India. The same thing happens in all over Africa. The same thing happens all over the world. They're just different, but they're the same. Do we have a problem with this in the United States of America? You think? Let's go to the next. America, I don't know if you know this. America, there are idols everywhere. There are musical idols, there are sports idols, there are fashion idols, there are political idols, and we've even created a show that we can take them from off the street, we can take them from off the street and make them an idol. I mean, this is frightening. And you say, well, no, in in, you know, next slide. You think, well, that's just pop culture. These are, these, are not, these are not mourners at a funeral. These are junior high girls at a Justin Bieber concert. They're crying. They're crying. They're screaming. They're screaming so loud, you need earplugs. I mean, it is, it is so loud. And they're, 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 they got their hands out, and they're just reaching. They just want to touch him. And you go, Wow. Now it's Justin Beaver. Forty years ago, it was the Beatles. Remember that? For some of you who have been around long enough. This isn't something new. But you say, well, that's pop culture and teens. But what about this? Now, you bring somebody here, you bring somebody here from India or from, you know, another country. And you usher them in to this place. Yeah, just keep your finger right, right, right up there, Mike. You, I want you to walk into the Angel Stadium. you better walked in? This is the picture of the front. I mean, look at this place. And look on both sides. As you walk in, just past the hats, they've got these two-story posters. Two-story posters of Mike Trout, you know, of, of who's the other slugger. I mean, incredible. Hamilton. Yeah, but there's another one pool holes. I mean, they got these, these posters. And if you came in from another country and you walked into this place, what would they say? They'd say, this is a house of idols. 40,000 people all dressed in red or all dressed in blue, all dressed in whatever color the team is. And they go Crazy. They are yelling and screaming. I'm I'm saying, for you and I, we go, nah, that's normal. That's just a sports team. You know? But for somebody else, if they came and saw that, they would go, now this is a house of idols. You guys are taking it to a whole other level here. Right? Let me show you some other spots. This is a brand new temple. Santa Clara, California. They're going to build this thing. It is the -the state-of-the-art stadium. I think there's like eight levels of, 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 of box seating of, of, you know, what they call, you know, suites. Okay. And again, they take it to a whole nother level. They've got six, seven story posters of their players. It's not made yet, but this is the state of the art. I mean, think about that. These places, they're full on Sunday, overflowing on Sunday, what about church on Sunday? It's a big gap here. There's a couple of gaps there. And this is typical of most churches. These places are packed. You know how much people pay? You know, we talk about an offering, you know, to God, we talk about an offering. Okay? You know how much one of these box box sweets cost a year? For the real ones, and that means they bring you food. They got a waiter or a waitress stationed at every suite get you whatever you want. If you want an In-N-Out burger, they'll go get it and bring it to you. That's just how they, that's how they are. You know? And they even face paint. Okay? And, and... You go, you laugh at the Justin Bieber preteen girls screaming, and then wait. You go, wait a minute. This guy's 45 years old. <laughs> okay, he's a grown man. He's got kids of his own. He works a job. He's an adult. And you'll see the stadium filled. I mean, I remember the last time I went to an NFL game. It's like a three-ring circus. You got the game going on here, then you got this guy fighting with this person over here. You got this woman over here, she's carrying on, and it never stops the whole game. It is full on entertainment, but it's crazy. And not always a good crazy. Now, here's the deal we joke and we kid about it, and we say, well, let's not, hmm. but let's talk about music celebrities. Now, for most of them, they, the, the popularity gets away, with, gets away from them, and they're like, hey, I'm just a normal person like you. I've been elevated to the status where everywhere I go, people are yelling and screaming, and they're worshiping me, literally. You've got the paparazzi. They're following me everywhere like I'm a god. And they get elevated to the place of a god. Remember a few years ago when Michael Jackson died? This is where it gets crazy. People were devastated. People were crying. People set up shrines. People were depressed, clinically depressed for weeks at a time. See, we elevated the king of pop to God's status. And some of the artists, they don't know. They don't realize it. They say, I just, I'm just doing my job, and look what happened. Some of them know. And some of them are very purposeful. Can I show you an image that's a little scary about a celebrity who really now believes he's not just a celebrity, he's not a musician, he's a god. He put it on his album cover. See, this is a little beyond celebrity level. And he believes it. He believes that. And you say, oh, that's terrible. How could he do such a thing? How could these artists think that they're gods? Whoa, before you get too judgmental. Who puts them there? Who puts them there? Before you point the finger. See they believe it and they put themselves at God level status because we as a country, we as a generation, we as a people, and it may not be, you know, this musician or this celebrity, but it will be somebody else. And we elevate them. Next slide. What happens to those people when we put them up at idol level? What happened to Michael Jackson when we put him at God level? Happens all the time. We ruin their lives. And see, it, it's, it, it never fails. It never fails. These people get elevated to God's status, and they always fall from grace. Always. They've got an addiction problem. They've got this problem. They've, and they're, 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 they're a mess. They're a mess. I mean, you've got it in the in the world of acting, you've got it in the world of music, you've got it in the world of sports, in every level, when you elevate someone to God-level status, to idol level status, we ruin their lives. Because no one can live up to being God. They'll always fall and they'll always fail. The story's so old, you go back even to Elvis Presley time. I mean, the king, they call him the king. And we, the, the people elevated him. You're, there's still people that go to Graceland. They, they go there and they visit and the turn gate never stops. And they buy the memorabilia and they elevate him and they go, whoa. But it ruined his life. Because no man can be in the place of God. But, you know, some of us feel the pressure of maybe not being a celebrity, but being Someone who fits in. And we put this position of being someone who fits in to our society. Things like this. Success. We elevate success to a point of it's almost like a God to us. Success is everything. I've got to go to school. I've got to kill myself. I've got to ruin my marriage, ruin my family, all because of success. Because we've elevated success to God-level status. If you don't achieve it, who are you? You must be a zero if you're not successful. Even in California, especially, you know, we talk about health so much, we almost feel compelled to be healthy. You know, it's like forced on you. Oh, you're having French fries? Mmm. Wow. You know? I'm, I'm having organic salad. Okay along with my vitamin drink that was from raw vegetables. Okay, and we, we elevate these things and we put priorities on things. Then, then for, for you guys, just for you in school, how important is popularity? How important it is for you guys to be in the in crowd? You know, jock, cool crowd, you know, the preps, the the ones with the money, the ones with the status, the ones with the clothes, the ones with the phone. You guys know this. And we elevate people, we elevate things, we elevate status. That if you're in, wow, you've made it, dude. But if you're out, you're a misfit. You walk around like you're a nobody. All because culture is telling you what to worship what the value, and your whole identity becomes those things. And that's sad. See, that's what we've done as a country. And even our body image, I don't know how many of you have ever been to a gym. I used to spend a lot of time working out a long time ago. If you ever been to a gym, especially where they have the weights, what do you see on all the walls? There's mirrors everywhere. Guess why those mirrors are there? that You can see. Right? You're working on it. You're working on it. You pull up the shirt. Let me show you my six pack. I got an eight pack. Right? You work it. Why, why are you doing all that? So you can have that image. See, because that's what the world is pushing on you and pushing on me. See, unless you're here, and it's, 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 it's elevated, it's elevated to God-like status. Guess what this all does to us? It makes us very unhealthy. Look at what, what John said in his, his letter. Very end of his letter, he says this. He says, 1 John chapter 5, in verse 21. These are the last words of his letter. He says this to his church. He says, dear children, keep away from anything. That might take God's place in your hearts. Be careful, be careful with anything that might take God's place in your heart. I got a question for you today. What's taking God's place in your heart? Really, if you're a guest here, you go, well, that's awkward. Okay, just think about what I'm saying. Think about what I'm saying. See, because God created every man, woman, and child to have a hunger, to have a desire to worship. But him, but when we replace things or images or people for him, what happens to our lives? Think about that. And then in Exodus 34, here's, here's why God, he, he really feels this, and this is, this is basically what we want and what we're trying to do as a church. It says this in the New Living Translation, you must worship no other gods but the Lord, for he is a God who is passionate about a relationship with you. Let me ask you this, if, if some of you have a special relationship, a significant other. How do you like it when it's somebody you really care about and you really love? How do you like it when somebody tries to swoop in and take that relationship away from you? It upsets you, right? There's almost like, hey, wait a minute. This is our relationship. And see, that's what God feels like. Listen, I I don't want anything in your life to replace me, to replace our relationship. But he gives us the choice. It's not by force. No one is going to force you into a relationship with God. He gives you a choice. So today is all about offering the opportunity to you to think about this, to weigh in on this, to lean on this. But I'm not going to guilt you into doing it, nor I'm going to make you feel like you have to. It's an invitation. But I want you to do an evaluation of your life without God putting other things in place of him. What what can we do to remedy this problem? You know, if you don't like it and you understand it, you go, wait a minute, I realize that I don't have a healthy relationship with these things in my life or this person or this situation. How can I remedy it? Jesus modeled this for us because do you think Jesus wasn't tempted? In this, in this area, look what, he says, or look what it says about Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, all their splendor, all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Now, Jesus is a guy. What do you think Satan showed him from that high place? And I'll open it up for some audience participation. What do you think Satan showed him as a man to try to bait him? Throw the bait. And let's, let's bring it in. What, what, what do you think he offered him? What do you think he showed him? I'm sorry? Power. Maybe a throne somewhere. I'll put you in charge. Anything else? Come on, come on, guys. Women. Women. Beautiful Women. You know, of all kinds, you can have this. What else? Maybe a Carrera. I don't think they had it at that time, but but maybe a chariot, the state of the art chariot. I mean, I'm the top of the line Bluetooth chariot. Money. money, unlimited money. Okay, all kinds of stuff. These are the things that Jesus, you know, just like us, he he probably felt the temptation. Wow, that sure would be nice. I could be happy for a little while. I can enjoy this for a little while. But see, Jesus is smarter. And he took a route. And I know that you guys are very smart. You, you, some of you guys are ex- extremely intelligent. You can see down the road. You, you get what I'm saying. Jesus looked back and says, if I do that, what's going to happen to me in five years? Who will I be then? What will my, what will my relationship with God be like? What will my relationship with my friends be like? In fact, who will be my friends if I go down this road? What kind of what kind of marriage if I get married? What kind of marriage will I have if I go down this road? Or marriage is at that time. And Jesus modeled and he said, "I you know, I've thought this through and here's my conclusion." Jesus said to him, "Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him." Why was this Jesus' conviction? Because he knew. See, when God asks us into the right relationship, what what happens to our lives when we have that right relationship? Everything starts to fit. See, because when you put God in his rightful place, what what does that send to you about your friendships? God teaches you, hey, take care of your friendships. Have respectful friendships. Love one another. Give to one another, help each other, serve each other. Everything that God passes down to us makes our lives better. See, if you're married and you put God in his rightful place, what does he teach you about your marriage? He teaches you to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wow, what a marriage you would have if you put God in his rightful place. And then then you have children. What does God teach you about your children? Hey, prioritize time with your children. Make them a priority. Make your family a priority. Lead them to me. And then together I'll be with not just you, but I'll be with all of them. What kind of family environment does that create? It creates a healthy family environment. See, sometimes we see God's commands in a bad light. We think, well, I have to. You don't have to do anything. But let me tell you, if you choose to do this, it's going to make your life so much better. Because God just wants to, he wants to do things for you. He wants to make your life better. He wants to edify your life. He wants to make your life have significance and meaning. And so that's why Jesus said, no way, Satan. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the lie. I'm not buying this deception. All this stuff that you're throwing at me is not worth it. It's going to end badly. I'm going to be empty and I'm going to be a mess. And he didn't have to look very far to see that, nor do we. You don't have to look very far to see what I'm talking about. When people put things in the wrong place, in the place of God, it ruins them. It ruins their lives. And so what do we do? This is a picture of a, of, of, of a, a group of soldiers in shield position. And there's times in your life you have to be in a shield position. And the shield position means you have protection from things that are trying to invade and destroy your life. One of the shields is prayer. Now, I've talked about this before, but I I believe very, very strongly that every day when I wake up in the morning, I need a time with God. You know why I need a time with God? To protect me for the rest of the day. You know why? Because stuff's going to come at me. Some idols are going to come at me, you know, and and then some offers will come to me and say, hey, how about this? Hey, what do you think? I'm a guy. And for the ladies, the same thing. You know, put yourself, if you would have been there with, with Satan in that situation, what would he have offered you? Unlimited credit card. Dude. Hey, You can eat all you want and never get fat. Wow. That would be awesome. You know, how about, how about the, how about a jewelry line? How about a a shopping line? How about a babysitter? What could I do with a babysitter 24 seven? See, and, and we all need a shield. And when you're being attacked, and all of us get under attack a lot of times, you need to be in shield position. And that, that's one of the reasons why. Every day, without exception, I've been doing this for 28 years. My day goes better if I, if I, if I spend that time on my knees saying to God, okay, today, God, you are my God. Nothing else. I'm not going to let anything else take your place. There'll be temptation. Now, I haven't always succeeded. Something gets my attention and I go, "Mm, mm." you know, a gadget, you know, a purchase, an investment. And I've shared about this in the past couple of weeks, go back to week two, you can hear about it, my dirt, but even then, even then when we're in shield position, you can push it off and say no. And shield position not only means in prayer, but it means Bible study. And some of you, you, you guys don't really need. You get enough on Sunday, and you say, you know, these lessons have really helped me. And, and for you guys that are guests here today, I'm going to give you a little time out. I'm talking to our members, okay? Talking to our members because we understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spending time each day reading God's Word. See, because it helps us. helps us set our mind. It helps us understand what Jesus was thinking when he was tempted because he understood. I can think down the road and go, nah, I'm not going for it this relationship's not going to help me. In fact, this relationship's not going to take me down the right road. So, I'm going to I'm going to have a healthy, respectful distance in this relationship. We can be friends, but that's as far as it goes. If I get a job offer, a promotion, where my boss says, "Hey, I want to give you a $40,000 raise." Hey, what can I do with $40,000? Ruin your marriage? Ruin your family? ruin your whole priority system because you're going to have to work late and you're going to have to travel and you have to ask yourself, see, if you're reading and you're praying, you'll be able to go down the road here and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. How's this going to play out? Ask some questions before you sign the dotted line. That, that's in prayer formation. And, and, and how I see prayer is prayer, prayer is a shield. Shields. is it's a shield that protects your heart From stuff that's trying to get in there and invade and take God's place. Look at at what Jesus said about the priority system. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. Everything else flows from this. Now what does all look like? A little audience participation. What does all look like? Is anything out, left out of all? What does all look like if you're, you know, a church member? It looks like what we have downstairs. People get here at 8.30 in the morning and they're ready to serve because they understand the value of helping our children have this. They need a foundation at a young age. It's these guys in the back. But here at 7 a.m. in the morning, they're setting up this whole thing for you and for him. Amen. That's all on Sunday morning. They worked all week. You know, someone worked 70 hours this past week, and they, yeah, they'll come here on a Sunday morning to run the camera, to run the stuff, to do everything for who? For God and for you. That's what all looks like. What, is, what does all look like in a small group? Today we have these things called faith groups, right? Our, our small group. What does, God, what does all look like in a, in, a, in a faith group? When you get together on Tuesday, what, what does all look like? I'm there, right? I'm there and I want to be there. I'm there because I want to I help our group. I want our group to be awesome. So I start asking my group, hey, how are you doing? Does all look like I haven't been to my group in a month? I don't even know who's in my group. Is that, is that what all looks like? No. Does all look like I'm here occasionally on Sunday? No. That's not what all looks like. Let me ask you a question. If you get into a relationship with somebody and they, and they felt what God feels about your relationship with him, do you think they would stay in that relationship? You know what they would tell you? If they were a person. God, a person. Because see, this happened to me. This happened to me in my my younger life. I treated one of my girlfriends like not all. It wasn't all. It was leftovers. I'd show up once in a while. I'd be like, nah. I'll see you at 8. Show up at 9.30 or 10. We'll go out and we wouldn't go out. She felt it. She felt it. She said, this isn't all. An and you know what she told me? Hey, you know what? It's been nice. But this isn't working. Our relationship's over. I'm like, what? You're kidding. Oh, my heart's broken. <laughs> my heart's not broken. Your heart wasn't whole. You see? And see, where you learn these things is with, when you understand your relationship with God, then you're going to have a great relationship. Yesterday... I went to a wedding of two of our college students that graduated and they were raised both, you know, in in, in Christian families. And I got to tell you, it it was one of the most awesome weddings I've been to in a long time. It was an event. But you know what's special about the event? Everything that the years that led up to that event. And I went up to the parents and I said, I said, you know what? I just want to congratulate you. Because you've raised an incredible young woman. And when I saw her coming through, it, there was something special. She was radiant. And when they kissed, when they kissed, you know, in the final kiss, in the, the first kiss, it was the first kiss. When she wore white, it was white. She'd never been with her fiancé. And he honored her as his bride. I mean, it was so, I mean, it moved me to tears because I thought, man, this is what it looks like when you do it right. This is what it looks like when you put God in his right place. He's God, and then I do it his way. Everything fits together, and it's beautiful. It's like a storybook. I was so inspired by this wedding. And I look at our world, and I go, man, man. It's just not like that out there. It's so sad. It's so sad. It's so empty. And this is what Jesus is trying to do. All looks awesome when you do it the right way. It's not a have to. It's a get to. So I want to encourage our members. I want to encourage you to think about all. Are you really about all? Because if you're not, ask yourself the question, is God working? Is this relationship working? Or is maybe he saying, and he'd never say this, but maybe he would say if he were a person, I need a timeout from this relationship. I I think our relationship, we need to take a break. Ever heard those words before? That's a nice way of saying we're done. God would never do that with you. But I just want you to think about that because he's asking us for all. And, and here's another thing we got to talk about, getting ahead. Getting ahead. Now, and I've got to talk about this, and this is for our members again. You guys are guests here. I'm really glad you're here. But I've got to talk about this because this is something that's happening. You want to go back to school. You know, you've got online college. You know, you can you could get your degree online we got people in our church that are taking three classes in a semester, plus working a full job, plus they've got several kids. And they're trying to make it work. Guess what? It's not working. And in my field of work, guess what? i, got a, I got a I got a seat at the 50-yard line. I got ringside seats. I got courtside seats to see this happen over and over and over again. I watch this. I could even get the binoculars out and I could say, wow, look at that play. But it's a tragedy because I watch families implode. I watch marriages implode and all the time I'm trying to coach them and say, Hey guys, I think you're overdoing it. See, since when is getting ahead, and I understand getting ahead, you know, we all want to get ahead in our lives, but at the price of what? See, this is a nice, ordinary sedan. But sometimes we want to get a little bit more. In exchange for what? Leather seats you'll ruin your marriage over leather seats. Hey, now if you got it, I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying don't get a nice car. If you can afford it and it's, it's, it's where you're at and you've you got your family under control, you've got your marriage under control and you're giving generously to, to, to God and to the needy, hey, I'm not, I got no problem with that. I'm not knocking nice stuff. But when you can afford it and not ruin your marriage and your family over it, See, this is what we're doing. This is America. When you see all those nice cars driving around, you go, wow, that's, that's really nice. Most of the time, those nice cars come at the expense of something. That's why the divorce rate is. See, because this becomes more important than a good family. Next, next slide. Or how about an ordinary house? Just an ordinary house. I grew up in an ordinary house. I think we had 1,800 square feet. It's a small house, five kids. It's a house in the cart had yard, walkway, small house. I grew up great. Everything turned out great. But it came at an expense. But you know, an ordinary house compared to maybe something like this be nice, right? If you can afford that, Have at it. Do not do it at the price of your marriage and family. Do not do it at the price of your relationship with God. I'm all about getting ahead. I think we need to get ahead, but I think we need to get ahead with wisdom. Do not put those things, that status in the place of God. It will ruin you. It will ruin your children because they're going to follow that. And they're great, great, great students of, of what this is all about. And then in Romans 12, here's, here's the, here's the solution to that. Romans 12 verse one says, therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Hey, worship is not just here on Sunday with your hands up and singing out to God. And that's awesome. Do that. Worship's Monday through Saturday. Hey, God, I'm, I'm offering up my eyes to you. I'm going to look at the right things, not the wrong things. I'm offering up my hands to you. I'm offering up my legs to you. I'm offering up my mind to you. In fact, I'm going to work so hard at my career because I want to give you the glory in my career. I, wanna make, I want my boss to know who I follow, who I serve, and what I'm about. And you know, there are examples of people like that in our church. Where the boss and the supervisor knows why he 's such a great she 's such a great employee. so let's wrap this up. I want to introduce you to this guy. His name is R.G. Tradeau or Tradeau. He was a, an extremely successful man but he didn't always start out. He barely graduated from high school, grew up here in California, and he was several thousand dollars in debt and made a pledge that he would give five thousand dollars over the next financial year just five grand. That year, God blessed him by not only getting out of debt, but also making a profit of five hundred thousand dollars because of that first pledge. From there, the year after, he decided to give God 90% of his income. Remember we talked about last week? This guy, he decided to give God 90% of his income because he's figured it out. If I give to God, I'm going to send it on ahead. And he's going to bless me with more. It wasn't a prosperity gospel because that doesn't work either. That's not big, biblical. But he understood, I get to send it on ahead. So he made this pledge to give... of the money that his company made and put it into an irreversible contract. And on top of that, he also gave 90% of his salary that he drew from the company. So 90% of the profits from the company, 90% of the profits from his own salary, that's a lot of money. This guy became so successful, 70% of all the tractors and all the earth-moving equipment that they used in World War II, all of it, he built it. Not only that, you know those earth-movers? The ones that they they basically tear down mountains and flatten them, those earth-movers? He invented those machines, those Caterpillar huge with electrical tires that that have self-propelled. He invented those. He became so wealthy. He also invented because when he made this decision, something started happening with his mind. He was an incredible inventor. He came up with the, off, the offshore rig, the drilling rig. It was called the Scorpion, first of its kind, only ones to survive hurricanes. Him and one of our former presidents, who was a CEO, this, this guy was so, so successful. And I want to show you what's written on his tombstone. You ready? uh, It's not Galatians. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. That's wrong, the verse. It says, but seek first his kingdom. This is on his tombstone. Go to the next slide. You can actually see the tombstone. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This was his life. Everything was added to him. He was incredibly successful. I mean, way out there, successful. And you know what is by his colleagues, you know what he was known for? He was called God's businessman. That was how he was known, God's businessman. Because he always, always prefaced everything. This isn't for me. This little deal we're doing right here. George Bush Sr., this deal you and I are doing for the oil rig, 90%'s going towards God. Just want you to know up front. And so everybody knew about this guy. And then another place on his tombstone it says, RG Trudeau, a mover of men and a mover of mountains. Literally. That's what this guy did. What an inspiration. Let's wrap this up. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus is so passionate about our relationship he gave his life. Right now we're going to celebrate the communion and I want you to think about when we take the bread and we take the fruit of the vine, I want you to think about how, God does, how bad does God not want you to be off track in your idol worship? He's willing to die for you. He's willing to give you everything. That's how bad he wants a relationship with you. And he said this, and he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying this, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, I, for I, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. And this is, what, this, is what, this is what Paul said when he told them and taught them about the communion. For I passed on to you what I received from the Lord himself. The night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after the supper saying, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you do it. Here's what I want you to remember as we take the communion. How badly does Jesus not want us to have wrong idols in our lives? How bad does God want to save you high school students from the pitfalls of putting popularity up as an idol? He bled so you wouldn't have to go through that. How bad does he want to save some of our families from the pitfalls of success and getting ahead. He died. He bled. No, this is the relationship you need to have. And not only that, when we celebrate the communion, guess what else we celebrate? We celebrate the fact that when we make mistakes, all of us have made them. Hey, there's been times in my life I've put things in the wrong place. I've had idols in my life. I put things before God. And you know, the incredible thing is I can come here today. I can come each Sunday and I can say, God, I messed up again. Forgive me. And I won't do it again. Only you will have that special, special place in my heart. That's what the communion is all about. So today I leave you with Jesus in these words. Don't let idols in your life. Keep God in his proper place. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much this time that we can come together and hear what you have to say about our world. And God, I know we laugh and we kid around, but God, I know there are so many of us here today that we know we have unhealthy relationships with stuff. And our, our families, our lives are paying the price for it. Please, God, forgive us for the ways that we've gone astray. Forgive us for for leaving you and and, and not putting you first, not loving you as Jesus taught us with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and giving you our very best. God, thank you for giving us your very best. Thank you for giving us your son, Jesus, who bled on the cross, and no one, no one is like Jesus. And Father, we elevate him, we remember him at this time, and thank you, God. Thank you so much that he died for us and he bled for us to save us from ourselves and from this world. Give us a new start. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.